speaker who brought his own fan club as well uh, to service, Brother Josh Garza. Excited to hear from him this evening. Lord bless. Praise the Lord, everybody. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Yes. Amen. I am so thankful and so glad to be here tonight. Um, as Brother David said, it's so good to see my mother and her new husband, Brother Rogers. It sounds so awkward to say, but uh, glad that they are here tonight. Um, didn't Brother Shane do a wonderful job this morning? I don't know where he's at, but he did a, a stellar job this morning. And uh, I feel your pain, Brother Shane, with a cat thing. I am not a fan of cats at all, and uh, we inherited a neighborhood cat that somehow found its way into our home a few years ago, and it went on to be with where cats go, wherever that is, and I told my wife, never again are we getting a cat, until my son looked at me with those puppy dog eyes and tears in his eyes and said, Dad, I want another cat. And I said, absolutely not. He said, well, what if I take it with me when I move out? So he wanted to compromise. And I said, well, if, as long as you take it with you when you move out, that's fine. Well, he moved out and the cat stayed. <laughs> so, Brother Shane, if you ever find yourself without a cat, I know you're a loving family, a loving home. Um, we would love to, I would love to, my wife will not love to, but I would love to give you a cat. Make the kids happy. Amen. But I, I digress. Um, I give honor to our pastor tonight and first lady. I thank them for allowing me to speak tonight. I believe they're in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, I have family there, so hopefully they're there listening to the show strands uh, this weekend. We, we miss them when they're gone, but we are thankful that we can be a blessing and that they can go and bless other people and pray that God is using them that, uh, mightily, as I'm sure that he is. And uh, I was told right before I got up here, shortly uh, before service started, do not put me to sleep. Um, and anybody that knows me knows that I won't preach long enough for you to get to your first yawn. So I think we're good. They were joking, by the way. It, they, they were just messing with me, Sister Hall. It's okay. Amen. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, if we could turn to Second uh, Kings chapter 6. Uh, we're going to read, it's, it's a few verses. Actually, I, I told you wrong. We're going to go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 and 12. And I am at that awkward stage where I need readers. I didn't need them last year and I do this year, so please don't laugh too hard. Um, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 and 12, and then we're going to go to 2 Kings. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. Now we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 6 verses 13 through 18. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And a servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? 
And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And before I get started here, I just want to say it's so good to see Brother Daniel Collins back here. Been missing you. It's my buddy. I taught him in Sunday school. Good to see you tonight. Now I can see you. I took my glasses off. Um, but it's good to see you. And, and don't be a stranger, all right? want to see you here more often. I would like to speak for a few minutes. Uh, they asked me what my title was, and I struggled to come up with a title. And it is, the title was The Still and the Small. In the previous verses, in the first passage of Scripture, we would find that Elisha was on the run. The king of Syria was tracking down Elisha. He was upset with him. And, and Elisha was constantly on the move. And it seemed like every time that the king of Syria would find Elisha, Elisha the Lord would speak to Elisha and... In quick order, he would be gone. The, the army would come down to capture him. He's nowhere to be found. And this went on for uh, quite some time, quite a few times. And the king got, he got very upset. He started questioning his generals, his army. Who is telling Elisha that we're coming to get him? How does he know that we're coming? Because he's never there. He was there one day and he's gone the next. Uh, and finally they figured out he just sent a few men, a few chariots instead of a big army. And they finally figured out that he was in Dothan. They had him cornered. They knew where he was. So now it was time to send in the big army. Now it was time to send in the cavalry. For surely we have him this time. And so we find in the scripture that this, they, they sent the army... And that he's surrounded by this great and this powerful army that this king had sent. And the servant of Elisha wakes up. He goes outside. And to his amazement, to his startlement, he sees that this humongous army has surrounded them. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. Surely they are had this time. And... The, the, the prophet, he simply says, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. Let him see what's really going on. So and he prays and the Lord opens the eyes of the servant and he can see these chariots of fire and this just mountainous army that God has placed around the army that was surrounding them. And so they outnumbered what the enemy was and, and his eyes were opened and he could see. There's a few parallels that we can, that in our daily walk with the Lord, that we can draw from the story. One, we could draw that the Lord, as the Lord would give Elisha warnings about impending harm, about the enemy that had come to surround him and the enemy that had come to get him, the Lord will oftentimes speak to us. Whether it be through the preaching of the word or through prayer or an unction of the Holy Ghost or God just speaking to us in that small, still voice that he spoke to Elijah when, when he was in the cave. 
The Bible said that he looked for him in the, in the fire, and he wasn't in the fire. And he looked for him in the earthquake, and he wasn't in the earthquake. And he looked for him in the wind, and he wasn't in the wind. But it was in that small, still voice that God spoke to Elijah in. So oftentimes, if we're listening, and that's part of the key, we will hear God speak to us, and it is up to us whether or not we want to hear God's voice or not. It's in that small, still voice. And sometimes, just how the enemy surrounded Elisha and his, and his servant, 1 Peter chapter 5 and 8 says, To be sober, to be vigilant, because our adversary the devil as a roaring lion seeks about seeking whom he may devour. And there's times in our walk with God, in our daily walk with the Lord, that we too can become surrounded. The enemy would like nothing more than to devour us. He would like nothing more than to distract us from what we want to do for the kingdom. He, his, if he can't destroy us, if he can't beat us, he, surely he likes to distract us. Take our eyes off our goal. Take our eyes off the king. He wants to surround us. He wants us to be scared. And finally, another parallel that we could take away is not to be fearful. The prophet told the servant, don't fear. Don't, don't be fearful. Don't fear. There's nothing to be worried about because God's got this. God's in control. Although we may be surrounded by the enemy, although they may flood us on every side, and it seems like it's insurmountable odds, God's got this. The prophet knew something that the servant had to learn. He said, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes, and he saw a mountain full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Wouldn't that be awesome to see? There's been times when I've been at home, and I know I'm a little nerdy sometimes, but I will look out across my front, a front road, there's a big field, um, farm field across the road, and I will say, God, just let me see what I can't see. Let me see the unseen. And he knows what I'm talking about. I would love for some time to look outside and just see chariots of fire. That's just me, sorry. You may not think that way. But I want to see what God wants me to see. I want to see the unseen. I would love to see the supernatural with the angels fighting with the bad spirits. It would probably scare me half to death and I'd want to never want to see it again. But God, let me see the unseen. They surrounded. And you and I, sometimes we'll see ourselves surrounded by the enemy. Sometimes it's life's tests and life's trials. Sometimes it has nothing to do with the enemy. Sometimes it has nothing to do with spirituality at all. Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes life just creeps up on us. Sometimes tests and trials of life, just they just come in and they surround us. And, and sometimes it seems like our mountains in front of us are so large. And our valleys are so wide. And the fight is so ferocious, no matter what it is that we're going through, that we can take our eyes off of what God is trying to do. It's a distraction from the enemy. And we will totally miss out on what God is trying to do. I will try my best to get through this. That was the easy part. I've got my handkerchief. There's Kleenexes down here. And I'm going to, if you will allow me, if it's okay, I'm going to speak for a few minutes on my dad. The biggest test, the biggest trial, the biggest battle 
that I have ever faced in my life. And I'm going to correlate that with the small and the still of God. If you'll allow me some latitude. Just as Elijah and Elisha both missed it, the servant did, we can miss what God is trying to do and what God has done. It was April 15th, almost six years ago. It was Good Friday, Good Friday weekend. I was at work. My day started just like any other day. I was probably at that time here at the church doing something, went home, got ready for work. I was working second shift. And I got a phone call while I was at work. And it was of the utmost urgency. And I went home. And my world came to a stop. Came almost to an end. Your dad was just at Licky Memorial. And he had pain that he just couldn't take anymore. And they did some scans. And sorry, Mr. Garza, but you have stage four terminal cancer and there is nothing we can do for you. Talk about rocking your world. He had had back surgery a month and a half, two months before that, and everything seemed to be fine. He was on the mend. And just in a moment of seconds, just in a moment of time, fear set in. The unknown set in. Life set in. Doubt set in. Where are you, God, set in. What is going on, set in. Just in a split second. And it was during that time that I had two choices. My family had two choices. We could resent God and grow cold and callous and blame God and get mad at God and all those things that we want to do when life doesn't go the way that we think it should go. Or we can run to God and hold on to God and seek after God and cry to God and pray to God and seek his strength and his peace. And like Elijah, I saw and I heard God in the small and the still. And like the servant, I was able to see God beyond the situation and see into the supernatural. He was transported to Riverside Hospital on Good Friday night for further evaluation and treatment. And it was there that we began to see God move in ways that we had never seen God move before. Beyond the cancer, beyond the situation, beyond the process. There's some things that I'm going to tell you that I probably never told this church before, maybe just one or two of you some private things and there was probably probably close to a dozen things that we see God do in the process and probably only three of them I'm going to tell you today the other ones are just too intimate too private the surgeon came in on a Monday and told dad that 
he was a walking miracle. The cancer that had started in his bile duct had moved its way up his torso and had went, started to go up his spine and decided, hey, this will be a good place to make a tumor at. And it had grown and grown, and that was the pain that dad was feeling that had taken him back to the hospital. It was about the size of a softball wrapped around his spine. And the surgeon said, you are a walking miracle. You should be paralyzed from the chest down. Dad wasn't paralyzed. Dad could move, dad could walk, and dad was, you know, just, what has he got to lose? Kind of, you know, chuckled and said, hey, I know who did it. It's God. God is the reason why I'm not paralyzed. God is the reason why I'm not paralyzed from the chest down. Awesome to see God move. Awesome to see God work that even though he was in the test and the trial of his life, even though the family was in the test and the trial of its life, that we could see God move and work beyond what was going on. That he could still move, that he could still walk. It was at an appointment in Columbus that later on that summer when the cancer had progressed. And it, I, I think I may have told some of you this. We, my mom and my daughter and myself took my dad to uh, this, this appointment with the oncologist. And on the way there, dad was in a tremendous amount of pain. Um, he was trying not to take any, any pain medication. He was trying his best not to, to go down that road. And, and, and that was during that process, I found out how tough my dad really was. He was about five foot five, wore a size five and a half shoe and weighed about 130 pounds. And my dad was pretty tough. And uh, so we, anyways, we had, we would, went to Columbus and he was, as soon as he got in the car, I could tell he was hurting. He was in pain. Dad, how you feeling? He's like, man, I hurt. It's, it hurt so bad. And, and, and he was in a lot of pain and, and we got all the way in there and I had to be really careful on the way there not to hit bumps and, and cracks in the road because every bump, every crack in the road would just jar his whole body. No matter how insignificant it was to me, it hurt him. And so we finally got him in there and we're in the waiting room. And we're back there, and it, it seemed like it took forever, and it probably really didn't take that long. And I'm like, Dad, how you feeling? And he's just almost in the fetal position sitting there. He's in so much pain. He's like, it hurts so bad. I am in so much pain. And I, I, I said, I'm just talking to him, and the Lord, like I said, he will speak to us if we will listen. It may not be when we want it. It may not be convenient for when we think it's time, but he will speak to us. And so we're in the waiting room at this, to see this oncologist, and the Lord speaks to me, and he says, take authority over that pain. Take authority over that pain, and you lose peace. And, and, and I wrote it in here. I can't remember now. I'm getting all wrapped up in this. Uh, you lose comfort, and you lose peace. And I'm thinking to myself, really, God, that's what you want me to do right here, right now in the doctor's office. Why couldn't we have done this on the way here? Why couldn't we have done it at home in the parking lot? Now you want me to pray over my dad in a doctor's office. And so I'm wrestling with God in my mind. Is it really God or is it, is it me? And, and so I, I don't know, Mom, if you remember or not, but I said, all right, we're going to pray. We're going to pray and we're going to take authority over this pain. And we put our hands on dad and we began to pray. And it was, 
It was loud and it was powerful. Wasn't real long. But I remember taking authority over that pain. I remember binding that pain and rebuking it in Jesus' name and loosing uh, peace and comfort on his body. And I said, in Jesus' name, amen. And I looked up as soon as we were done and I said, Dad, how do you feel? He's like, I've got no pain at all. The pain is gone. And it's not me, it's God. It, I had nothing to do with it. I was just being obedient to the Lord. I'm giving all glory and honor to God for everything I'm telling you that, uh, that happened during this process. But God did it in the small and the still. Didn't heal him of his cancer. But that was okay. He was still moving in the small and in the still. He was still moving in and about and through this process that we were going through, seeing the hand of God move. It was later that fall, early winter, when the cancer had just about done what it had set out to do. I had went over after work or after dinner that uh, one, one night through the week, and, and, and I was, uh, had went over to spend some time with him, and the cancer had progressed. They never said it, but we, my mom and I and sister, we think it probably went to his brain by that time because he was having a very, very difficult time speaking. He was having a very difficult time talking. He couldn't put two words together if he had to. Um, he would get real confused real easy and, and just nothing made sense. I remember calling him, I was talking to my sister about this the other day, I remember calling him one time. I was on my way over to see him after work and I said, Dad, it's Josh. That's all I said. And he got completely bent out of shape and handed the phone to mom and said, Karen, he's messing with me. And all I said was, Dad, it's Josh. But he was just having a real hard time speaking, a real hard time uh, focusing and, and, and just putting sentences together. And I had went over to see him. And then it may be a moment of, of uh, selfishness or a moment of just wanting one last time with dad. I had always remembered his voice when he prayed for me. As a boy, when I, before church would start, he would make me pray every service, every Sunday night before church started. Didn't matter what everybody else was doing, you're going you're gonna to pray. And I would kneel down beside him and he would put his hand over top of me and he would, he would pray for me. And I knew that that would never, never happen again. And so in a, in a moment of selfishness, I, I said, Dad, will you, you pray for me one, one more time? And Bishop, I, I think I may have said, will you bless me? But I didn't want a blessing. I didn't, I, I just wanted my dad to pray for me. And so I got down on my hands and knees and I crawled over where he was sitting. And he put his hands on my head. And the man who couldn't put a sentence together if he had to, the man who put, couldn't put a thought together if he had to or, 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 or nothing, began to pray for me like cancer didn't even exist. And he went about a sentence or two in, and he began to speak in tongues like I had never 
heard him speak in tongues before. You say, Brother Garza, why are you telling us that? Why, are you, why, are you, why, why do we need to know that? Because God, even though my dad was in the fight of his life, and even though the family was going through the fight of its life, and even though dad was going to die, God was still moving and working in ways that we had never seen before. God still had his hand in it. God still moved and God was still working in ways that only God could do. And I know some of you are probably thinking, yeah, but your dad still passed away. True, true he did. But through the process and through the pain and through the trial, God still did the miraculous. His hand was still in everything that happened. Just as all the servant could see was the enemy in the natural. Just as all we could see what was going on during that present time, God was still moving in the supernatural. And though sometimes we're surrounded by trials and sometimes we're surrounded by pain, I and we have found it to be true. That Romans 8.28 says that we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. I didn't understand what was going on. It didn't make a lick of sense to me. Why we had to go through what we went through. But I have to hold on to all things work for the good. God's got a purpose for everything that he does. And though we may not understand it, though it may be painful, maybe we, we would rather not go through it. All things work together for the good. I learned in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Not one time through the trial, not one time through the pain and the test, and what we went through, did I ever feel like God left me? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what we're going through, God's with us. No matter the test, no matter the trial, no matter the pain, no matter what it is, God is with us. Whether it be a spiritual battle or a physical battle or an emotional battle or a mental battle, he will never leave us nor forsake us. I don't want to miss what God is doing. Sometimes the, the mountain seems so big and the, and the enemy, the fight is so strong that we can get our eyes off of what God is really doing and completely miss what he's really doing. We'll get distracted by the enemy. We'll get distracted by the battle. And I don't want to miss what God is doing. While you're going through your test and you're going through your trial, keep your eyes on God and watch what God is doing in the background. Let's all stand. I told you you wouldn't get your first yawn out. But I don't know what you're going through tonight. I don't know what you're going through this week, this month. But I ask you, keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on what God is doing, not just in the present, but behind the scenes. And, and don't give up on God because he's still moving. He's still working. Sometimes we don't see it at that time. 
But in the background, God's still working and God's still moving. He doesn't give up on us, so don't, don't, don't give up on God. He's in control. I'd like to open this altar if you would like to come while the praise singers sing. We'll just have a few.